152 yards should be just a nice, comfortable nine iron for him. They're going to go nuts when he hits this thing. golf fans and friends um the only way really you can potentially top an elevated waste management phoenix open electric event is by the genesis and tigers playing so we're back for another week of preferred lines uh thank you all for hopping in this is a golf gambling podcast where we go over our favorite picks uh from the odds board this week on tap genesis open riviera country club i've got a great guest who will be on here in just a few minutes uh, that's willing to help me along for the ride, give me a little personal insight. A giant welcome back to our friends of old and a welcome in to anyone checking out the show, maybe for the first or second time. Uh, I appreciate you all greatly. Your support for the show is greatly appreciated. You can see my sponsor up there, Fantasy Golf Pod. They are the one and only sponsor of this show. We are completely ad-free, and my goal is to keep it that way as long as I continue to get all of your support. Okay, a couple of things to sort of check off the list tonight. I will be giving away a Preferred Lines t-shirt. I'm asking for comments in the chat. In order to put those comments in the chat, for some reason, the platform that I use, and I think every platform, will not show the comments on Twitter. So what I need you to do is please jump on over to the Preferred Lines YouTube page. Um, You can watch the show from there. You can comment along. Uh, You can feel please feel free to drop any and all comments, questions, whatever you want in the chat. Um, Here's what we got on tap. I'm going to bring on my guest in just a few minutes. I'm going to talk golf with him. He's my boy. I just want to ask him a few questions. Get that off the bat before we jump right into the odds board. We'll take your questions at the end. Please include those comments. Um, Let's get right into it. Uh, Without further ado, welcoming back for like his third or fourth time on the Preferred Lines podcast a friend of mine, the host of the one and only Inside Golf Pod. Uh, he writes for the, all the great publications out there. He's got a million pieces of content, including the absolute best course preview in the game over at rickrungood.com. Welcome back, my dude. What up, Andy? Hey, man. It's good to see you. Uh, it is an honor to uh, to be joined by you tonight. This is, I would say, probably my favorite non-major tournament of the year. So, uh, so this is a real treat, my friend home game for you do you have any like hosting duties is this a more stressful week than normal for you with friends and family all needing tickets and they want showed around riv you know i i would expect that to be the case uh u.s open week but i don't think that i know of anybody that's like coming into town for riviera um and if they are i think they probably have their whole you know setup situated themselves but no i am super excited for this i've gone to this tournament i think four years in a row now so uh i do feel like i kind of know the lay of the land there a little bit i mean i I, i've read a book on riviera solely (laughs) so uh you could say almost teeter uh into the like i'm almost too familiar with this course but uh but yeah super super excited for this week all right so elevated event in terms of what the PGA Tour classifies now as an elevated event. But what really elevates this thing and takes it to another level was the player that committed to the event last week. Let's knock this 
out of the park right off the bat, Andy. Expectations, realistic expectations for Tiger Woods this week. There's make the cut bets, I think, that are boosted to like plus 200. Is that a realistic barometer to you? Do you think he can make a cut? Yeah, I do think he could make a cut. I, I, I would not advise playing him in DraftKings. He's not going to be somebody that I'm going to write up and, and, and advise anyone to play. And I wouldn't, you know, in some of the best bets articles that I do, I wouldn't write up that bet either of him making the cut. But I do think that it is realistic. Like, I'm not going out of my way to bet the other side. I do think it's realistic that he can make the cut here. Um, but no, he's not getting any of my money. I mean, I, what do you, what do you think this week? What do you feel are his realistic expectations? I'm still kind of fishing that out. I kind of would like to hear some press conference would like to hear some people on the grounds that are seeing sort of how he's up and moving around. Um, I'm not as familiar with the course, so I want to do some more diving into that with you in terms mm-hmm. of how this is going to potentially adversely affect someone with a serious leg injury, or is this a good setup for him? I know like he, his, the course history is not great here. It's never really right. been a spot for him, although it's his tournament. Um, so I just kind of want to see him get through two rounds. And if we makes it to a third, I'll be, I'll be happy to watch. Right. I think in terms of course fit, and I'm certainly not the first to raise this idea, but I would like to see him play a heritage or a Wyndham. Uh, there is, I mean, Riviera basically plays in a canyon. It's kind of right in the middle of the Santa Monica Mountains. And I wouldn't say it's as hilly as Augusta, but there's certainly some interesting topography to it. You're going to have some some walks up and down a lot of mini hills and, and such. And, you know, again, I think this is all obviously in preparation for Augusta. And this is good preparation for Augusta. A lot of the same things that you have to do well at Augusta, you have to do well at Riviera. So my assumption would be that Tiger knows this and Tiger says, okay, well, what is the best prep that I could possibly do for Augusta? It's probably playing this golf course, Joe. Yeah, and you know what? To be frank, I'd love to see him play again in Florida. Um, I think he needs more reps. I Look, Yeah, I have no doubt that he's playing a lot of golf, that he's probably spending oh, yeah. anywhere from 8 to 12 hours a day at a golf course in terms of like warming up rehab, getting his body ready, practicing, playing a couple of holes, working on his putting all this. So I, I just think that last season, I understand why it happened, but I think in order to best prepare himself for majors, maybe it's a little less on the practice load and maybe it's just playing in a couple of tournaments. Like I know he won't play next week, but that makes so much sense because it's a perfectly flat golf course. He doesn't even have to hop yeah. on to play the Honda he's had great success there in the past but I would love to see him maybe mix in an Arnold Palmer or or something like a Valspar or something around this area just to just to continue to um, understand the routine and get back into that routine not that he doesn't understand it but I think from familiarizing his body with what that's going to require of him in 2023 to compete is going to be something new that he's got to figure out Do you think his pride maybe gets in the way of that? Like, do you think he's probably sitting here staring, you know, at 47 years old and saying, do I really want to go out with a bunch of T57s at the Honda Classic? So I think that that's valid. I also 
on the flip side, feel like they're in his mind um, could be a little bit of a sense of responsibility to the tour in these times of complete disruption where he understands to move a needle. He's the only guy that really does it like he does it. So if you want to distract from a couple of live weeks and their season opening, um, what better distraction to throw off their season opening event next week than to commit to the Honda Classic where they strategically scheduled because it's going to be such a weak deal. So I just think there's interesting... Um, not that he should bear that burden, but I think that he kind of wants to, and he's stepping up, he's running these meetings. He's, he's trying to come up with new ideas. So I, I kind of can see both sides of it and I don't really know where it's going to pan out. Well, I didn't even think of that angle. So is Liv's first event next week? Yes. So he's already, I mean, you, that's such a acute point that you brought up there. I mean, because <laughs> Think about on Monday morning if the guy does make the cut. I mean, you yeah. know, obviously if he contends, that's going to be the biggest story in golf all next week, right? But even if he does make the cut, Tiger is going to be the talk of the town on Sunday, right? And and that mm-hmm. takes a little bit of the air out of the tires of the first live event, right? So that's an interesting thing that you're raising there. And listen, I've, I've said this on a podcast before. I've spoken with the TGL people. Um, They are full steam ahead in, and, and they, again, they're looking at this a lot differently than Liv in the sense that, you know, I think Liv is really trying to compete with the PGA tour from a competition standpoint, whereas TGL, um, TGL, I mean, they, they're really leaning into the gambling aspect, something that Liv hasn't really, it seemingly hasn't really done that much. Right. right? I mean, how many live promos have you seen about bets, right? You haven't really yeah. seen anything. Whereas TGL is really looking at maybe that younger demographic and saying, okay, man, all of these people like to bet. Um, so, you know, again, like, the live people are looking at some Instagram influencers to add to their staple. And, you know, the TGL people are maybe looking for people like me and you, Joe. Right. So it, that's, it, it's going to be, I guess what I'm saying is long winded way of saying, I'm really interested to see what role tiger plays um, in the state of golf as this goes forward. Same. Um, I think we all are. I want to ask you about, Another player, possibly your favorite player, a player that um, is on my season long team. And I don't know why I have this irrational sense of myself watching Xander Shoffley play, but um, I I don't know why I just get very irritated with uh, it felt like he caught every like that was a huge break that he caught. Right. He he was able to birdie. He's he's slow too, which bothers people. He's I don't think that's what bothers me. I think it's that I don't. And this could be totally wrong because I know you have a relationship with some people in his camp. I don't sense the killer instinct. I feel like a lot of other guys catch that two to three stroke break and they pounce on it. And he immediately follows it up by looking like me out of a greenside bunker Mm -hmm. on the next hole. Missed a couple of four footers. And I just don't sometimes feel it. And it frustrates me so much with Xander to a level that no one else does because I know that he has every skill and talent and blessed with the ability to be the absolute best player in the world. 
but I just feel like there's we get stale weekends. I feel like first round lead, writing contention, we get a stale Sunday. Um, is that just me like being annoyed that I missed a bet, or is there really something you think uh, to there? Where do you sit on it? No, it's not just you. And and trust me, you know I've thought about this many times myself in the sense that listen, like I'm a I'm a lifelong Knicks fan. I haven't had one good moment in my 28 years of existence on this planet as a Knicks fan, I cannot tell you how many times Joe I've sat up at night after a disappointing weekend from Xander and said, man, did I just, did I just hitch my wagon to the wrong guy again? Um, And so, no, you know, I do think there's something there in the sense that I still think he is developing. He's still, in my opinion, Winning is a skill. How you play on weekends is a skill. Um, Jordan Spieth has a lot of great quotes about specifically speaking about how in major championships, knowing when to peak, knowing how to peak at the right time. These are all skills that I think Xander is still developing. I don't have concerns about whether he wants it. I mean, this is not a guy with, business interests outside of golf. This is not a guy that is obsessed with fishing or, you know, biz, you know, any of the stuff or having his own clothing line or going on a bunch of different podcasts. Like he's not interested in that type of stuff. Golf is golf is his everything. But I do think you do bring up a fair point that Xander doesn't have that intangible sort of like with Rom, it's a face, right? Like you see Rom kind of get those look, that look mm-hmm. in his eyes with Rory. It's almost a walk, right? Yeah, totally like you see, walk. you see like a little pep, in the most intimidating step, walk, right? Right. And Rom has those, uh, even can't has like this kind of killer stare. Xander doesn't have that yet, but I don't think it's inconceivable that he develops it. Okay. Um, so it's a good segue in what you talked about and sort of um, trending toward major championships. I wanted to ask you about that. We're kind of at this, like the end of the appetizer stage of the PGA tour. We've had farmer century. We've seen some events. We kind of got a better feeling of how guys are playing leading into the biggest five months of the year. Um, who's the guy that's on your radar in terms of trending in the right direction for players for Augusta for PGA championship. Who's who's whose stock is up right now early in the season, in your opinion? Well, you know, I think the obvious answer to that question is two guys that I drafted in my fantasy league, Ricky Fowler and Jason day. Right. I mean, and yeah. I, I think it's real, you know, I, I do think both of these players are going to win at some point this season. Now we've kind of reached the point past flash in the pan where both of these guys, you know, Ricky has, Ricky's got like five top 15s in his last eight starts. Like Jason day has put together three top 20 finishes in a row where he's gained over three strokes on approach three times. Right. Like, you know, they're basically all they they've been relevant in golf tournaments over the weekend. And I haven't made any futures, bet. have you, by the way, have you made any futures bet for the majors yet? No, I was actually looking at some numbers earlier today uh, over from from our friends from Vegas over at Circa has some nice uh, Masters numbers. So I have one that's an Adam Scott 100 to one that I don't 
like love it at this point. I don't feel like it's a bad sure. bet. It's a hundred to one. It is what it is. But they have some nice, like they have a a thirty five on fee now. They have a thirty five on DJ. Thirty five um, on fee now is pretty good, man. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, I I, I could certainly see that. And fee now has been great at the Masters before. Um, to me, and I mean, and I feel like um, I'm just kind of have no reason to go away from my preseason pick. I still think Rom's going to win the Masters okay. as we stand here today, I guess, in the middle of February. That could change. Again, I have, I, I'm a huge Rory guy. Rory, I, I, Rory's probably my favorite golfer outside of Xander. I have this like sneaking bad suspicion that Rory's going to get a, let a lot of people down at the mat. I've given this take before on podcasts, but I think Rory's going to let a lot of people down at the masters and then he's going to go on to win Oak Hill. Uh, but I think as it stands here now in February, and it's probably the safest pick is Rom or Rory. Right. But, but, yeah. but who, who, who would you say as we sit here on February 13th would be your master's pick? Um, you know, I, I'm tempted to to like just think that Scotty can do it back to back with what he did yeah. last week. I was act, I'm so impressed by him actually last week, and I was always cautious. Like I never felt like his upside had staying power as world number one, right? And that then yeah. people took that as such a knock at Scotty. Like he's still one of the six best players in the world and will be for a long time. But I I just never saw it. Um, last week I saw some things that were really encouraging to me in terms of some scrambling numbers, um, the ability. So I talked, I've been talking about this the last couple of weeks, like in this show, it's a little, we focus on outright bets, right? That's all I'm really here to talk about. I put more emphasis and I don't know how you feel about this, um, on around the green in short game in terms of an outright market, I've kind of started to put more eggs in that basket than I would in building a DraftKings lineup where I'm looking for cut makers, that I'm looking to for a guy to finish top 40, that I'm looking in head-to-head matchups. And the reason being is I feel like ultimately late on Sundays, it often comes down to short game. We saw it. Every That's week. how Siwoo yeah. won the, in, in Hawaii. That's how Morikawa lost it in Hawaii. That's how Scheffler was five for five in scrambling and around the greens on Sunday. And Ron was four for seven that's the difference like one guy is able they're all gonna miss greens but in order to win you gotta get everything up and down and when he gets it going like that and starts to get the putter going it's really impressive where do you stand on that sort of take on around the green game i know you wrote it up as having increased importance this week yeah big time i mean i think that riviere probably features like pound for pound the most challenging slash interesting green complexes on the PGA tour. I mean, this is a golf course where you are going to have so many six to eight footers for par so many more than these guys are used to seeing in a weekend and week out basis, because there's such a low greens and regulation percentage, right? Guys that are used to hitting 14, 15, 16 greens around are probably going to hit closer to 10, 11, 12 greens around. So inevitably, just in terms of sheer volume, you're going to have more uh, around the green shots. And I think it's going to be really, really, really important for you to be able to be one of those guys who's able to consistently chip it to two feet instead of four feet, right? Because Mm -hmm. those four footers are going to start to add up. And over the course of a four day tournament, suddenly you're going to blink. And if you go say 80% 
on four footers instead of having some of those be tap ins. Like that's generally the difference between winners and losers on a Sunday. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think statistically, specifically at this golf course around the green is probably probably the heaviest I'm going to have on around the green all season, I would say would be at Riviera. I like that in terms of like, so I mentioned the article is great. There are so many people, Andy, honestly, that do a fantastic job of, of course, previews. Now yourself is one of them. You, I think have the most detailed info. What is one thing? Like we all have a very good knowledge of what Riviera, what leads to success out here. What's the one thing that you feel like is most overlooked that you're putting more emphasis on this week um, that you may not like read and may not hear on every other podcast. Well, I think there are a couple of interesting tidbits that I noticed that I'm not sure. Um, I haven't heard anyone talk about, I guess. I also don't do as good of a job consuming golf content as much as I used to. Um, I, I like to support my friends' podcast, but I don't, I just don't get to as much stuff that I used to because as I'm sure you've learned and known too, it's like, dude, if you want to make this your full-time gig, like you need to start stacking freelance stuff. And like (laughs) now I'm putting out 15 pieces of content between Monday and Wednesday for six different places. Um, but one of the, it just, it adds up, man. And, um, and, 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 but one thing that I thought was interesting about Riviera is that Riviera plays in a Canyon. Right. So it's right in the middle of the Santa Monica mountains. So Mm. uh, sunlight generally reflects off this Canyon and kind of all meets in the middle. Right. And so that's the reason why, you know, at a course like Pebble beach or Torrey pines, those poet greens, have you noticed that those look a, a lot darker green than the ones at Riviera feature a lot? They look a lot lighter in tone. Mm. That's because the sunlight is hitting them at such a high rate compared mm. to this overcast, colder climate that you have Riviera and Torrey Pines be on the coast. Now, what does that mean? That means that they're going to play a lot faster, right? And mm. and and one of the things that I noticed a lot too, and I've heard uh, other players talk about this. Adam Scott talked about this too, but there's this big Australian connection here. I don't know if you've noticed it, but Cam Smith, Mark Leishman, Leishman. Adam Scott, Aaron, Aaron Baddeley's won this tournament, right? <laughs> really? And I think, part, yeah, yeah. And I think part of the reason why there's been such an Australian connection is because, um, golf philosophy in Australia is a lot different than golf philosophy in America. They actually don't believe in watering their golf courses. And that's why the courses in the sand belt, I'm sure you remember that 2019 president's President's I'm actually, yeah, yeah, I'm actually really excited to watch the live event that they host in Australia, because I think that type of golf is really, really fun. But Riviera gets a lot of that, right? They don't water their greens as intensive. The sunlight of, reflects across the canyon so you've heard guys like adam scout talk about before hey this is really similar style of golf to what we're used to in australia which is something i found interesting that's awesome stuff all right you ready to hit the betting board let's do it Here we go. Oddschecker.com up. I actually use the Ohio filter. My boys in Ohio should like that. So this is the books that they have available. The two big dogs at the top. Rom's eight to one. Rory's ten to one. 
Then you have Scheffler all the way back to right behind them now. So those numbers, good numbers on Scheffler are going to be gone for the foreseeable future. He's 11 to 1. Justin Thomas, 16. Finau, 18. Xander, 18. Homa, 20. I'll pause there, Andy. Um, Any early picks or leans for you from the top? Yeah, I went with Justin Thomas. And I just think that this is a guy that I'm going to see it through with. Um, I believe that he's really close. I mean, the one thing that has been lacking in Justin Thomas's game is that his irons just haven't been up to regular JT standards. And Sunday in Phoenix, he led the field in approach. I mean, he gained almost three strokes on approach in that one round on Saturday, which was more strokes than he gained in most tournaments between last U.S. Open and now. So um, I think that JT has... I like an incredibly underrated short game too that oh. gets completely overshadowed by his iron play. Um, but I just think that I got him at 16, bet him last week at 24. Um, I just think the guy's close. And I think that of this, and this is like unquantifiable, but I feel like he needs a win and wants a win more than a lot of these guys. He, he, I was watching him pretty closely in Phoenix because I had bet him and he was on featured groups. He's like not thrilled with how his performance, he's like mm-hmm. not pleased with how he's been. That's not winning once a year is not up to JT standards. It's yeah. not at all. And so you, uh... I, think, I think he gets off the mat this week. Did you watch episode one of full swing yet? I have not. So have have you? I haven't I, received any early access to anything. I don't. One of my friends was telling me there's like a Michelob Ultra thing you can. Yeah, do, if you but- go to Michelob Ultra's tweet on Twitter, um, you it's like a QR code you can get it where you can watch it on MichelobUltra.com. I actually watched <laughs> it, and it's funny you bring that up because you can really see it him weighing on it before the PGA yeah. Championship of how much. He felt how close he was, and he knows how good he is. And the fact that he wasn't breaking through for the wins, like he was in the he was in the room, like sort of working out with his trainer, and he was like almost ready to have him take down all the pictures of him like holding trophies at this point because it had been so long. He's like, I don't want to see those anymore. Um, so it was interesting that that you brought that up. Um, I had this argument. That I got some heat for last week. I don't know if you checked out the show with Pat, where uh, I, for the sake of arguing with Pat, which is always tough, as you know, um, I took. I did, by the way. I texted you about the show. It was great. Yeah. So uh, I took Max Homa. I said I, I'd rather have Homa than Justin Thomas. I'd still rather have him here at twenty to one versus sixteen to one. Um, my argument with Justin Thomas almost came true in that. Basically, what I was saying is the dude is a freaking charger, and I don't know if there if this is like just how things have happened to play out, Andy. But the morning of the PGA or the Players Championship that he won, there were like hundred to ones. There were like hundred to ones on that back nine yeah. of the PGA Championship. There were hundred to ones on Sunday at the Waste yeah. Management, and he almost like made an epic run. I don't yeah. know that like sinking 16 to one yeah. is like so you're basically just argument. saying wait wait on this guy this guy is basically a trend has emerged that you can wait on this guy a little bit i'm i'm kind of asking is that a real trend or is that just something that we've seen happen like do you think there's something to 
free up Justin Thomas completely and have him go after every pin and maybe to the opposite point of what we saw with Xander. Like Xander's not going to make a ton of bogeys, but is he going to go out there and light a course up for like eight under nine under on a Sunday? I feel like Justin Thomas is like the most likely guy to charge up the leaderboard late right now that we got. Yeah, well, it's tough because like you look back to a lot earlier in his career and he was a front runner all the time. I mean, yeah. I remember that wasn't Sony. that there was one year where Sony, he gets off to, he shoots like a 61 and round one and it's curtains, but you're right. I mean, recently it's been a lot of backdooring with him, mm-hmm. you know? So, so that, so you're right. It, we haven't had a lot of Thursday JT announces himself like, okay, this is a JT week. Yes. Um, I, I, it was a great trend to see him playing well. Um, I do think Justin Thomas is probably the better player. Although if I were to rate them based on right now, I think I have Homa slightly above him. Um, Homa's higher in true strokes gain right now. I mean, he is, yeah. The win two two straight top tens in terms of course history here is as good as anybody. He's been fantastic around the green and putting not only here, but just in general, Um, So if you look at his last 50 rounds, one of the things I look back at my notes were um, from previous years is to compare how players are on and around the greens at Riviera and how players are on and around the greens. They're typical. Like you'll see guys with a massive bump. The biggest example is Adam Scott is like number one in putting here and top eight around the green at Riviera. He's not nearly that player anywhere else. So there's something about this place where some players just kind of figure it out. Um, he's kind of done it both ways. He's he had showed a little bit of frustration last week, which I, it was a little uncharacteristic of Homa with sort of a lot of the mentality. But I think he's so confident. Um, I do think there's something to just his consistency in California, and and he's a significantly better putter on Poa. So I I, I don't mind twenty to one. I can see the argument that people have that he's not the type of player that deserves this number. But right now, this week, I think he is. So have you made him, by the way, just to give more credence to your argument, one of the best long-term putters inside 10 feet on the PGA tour. I mean, he is, he is incredibly, incredibly trustable inside 10 feet. So have you made that move? Yes. Yep. Okay. So that was, are you first bet for you? So you're, you're in on Homa at 20 is your card complete already or are you still kind of figuring things i have three bets in right now the next one kind of comes in this next range and i'll sort of open it up to you and see where you're at first before i sell you on my guy uh is there at 22 cantlay is at Mm -hmm. 28 which is a big number for him m is 28 Uh hovland 28 burns 33 young 35 spieth and fitzpatrick at 40 over at bet MGM. Um, anyone in here for you, bud? Yeah. I mean, I'm keeping it tight this week. I have one guy at 16, one guy at 33, one guy at 35 and one guy at a hundred. So, um, I bet Patrick can't lay at 33. Um, I just think that's a big number for a guy who you could statistically argue is, over the last year, the third or fourth best player in the world. I mean, this guy was, you know, this guy, this guy got drafted third 
in our a fantasy league season long draft yep. and everybody who was picking fourth and fifth were like damn it and now what <laughs> he's the he's the 12th guy on the odds board at a course that he went to school at five minutes away and he has written on his list as one of his 10 favorite golf courses in the country because he missed the cup by one stroke come on yeah. so I, I i just i i think 33 33 that's an auto bat and his stats weren't even that bad in phoenix i mean he had a 14 foot putt to make the cut on the number like i just i saw that 33 enhanced and i endorse a 28 as well by the way but i just once you get can't lay as a player where once he's past 25 it's like what are we doing here yep i would agree there i haven't i didn't do that one but he is very close on my radar so here's my guy um, this is who I kind of want to sell you on. It's my favorite bet this week. And also, um, as always, when you bet this player, the most terrifying bet of the week that you could possibly yeah. make um, was super impressed with him at the waste management. It's Jordan Spieth, 35 to one, Andy. Um, he it. had his third best week on approach ever in his career yeah. last week in Phoenix. Um I think that the if you look at the recent numbers in terms which where they're probably drawing a lot of this betting lines from and, and looking at what he's what his finishes are this year, the 13th at the Sony or at the Tournament of Champions, I think he played better than that. At the Sony, the guy was the best player, led the field in strokes gained, approaching T to green on Thursday, first yeah. round leader, misses the cut. So at that point, I'm like, okay, it's close with Spieth. I need to see something. Um, when I look back at Spieth, I think two things are big indicators of a Spieth win is coming. One is course history. He is a sticky, pretty course history guy in terms of where he plays well. You look at Valero, you look at some heritage stuff, you look at the Masters, like the guy has his spots where he can really um, utilize some of that creativity. And you brought it up and some of the, yeah. the, the a lot of people are going to say it this week. He's He's a shot maker. Um, you got to be creative out here. Speed fits that. Justin Thomas is the other one, but of the modern day players, like you get a lot of the other young guys like Zalatoris and Hovland. Trackman golfers. They are, and they're great. Yeah. And Cameron Young and Sahith. Yeah. Speed is a shot maker. Speed yeah. is an absolute creative genius in on and around the greens. And the other thing, so course history is one. The other huge indicator for him is he will show a glimpse with his irons before he wins. Um, before the Valero win in 2021, he had his second best approach week the week prior for three consecutive years. So right before he won, he had his best approach week in three years. Last year, before he won the Heritage, now granted, before that, he missed the cut at the Masters, but the tournament before that was the Valero and was his best strokes gained approach week all of last season came right two weeks before the win. Um, even in 2017, when you look at the back-to-back -back of the Travelers and the U.S. Open, he gained seven strokes on approach in both the previous weeks leading into those events. So he'll show you a glimpse with the irons. And Spieth is such a player, Andy, that thrives on confidence. And when he can feel it and get it going, he knows how to close the deal. And he knows how to get the other parts. I feel like so much with him hinges upon the iron play and when it's sharp and when he can really focus on being creative and holding some putts when he knows the iron play is solid is the best time to play him and I think 35 to one's a pretty good number 
It's a good case, man. It's a damn good case. You know, the only listen, literally, because I was thinking about the same thing. You brought up the Augusta connection. It's just that putting inside 10 feet that that scares me on this yeah. course. And and I just I watched him last week because again, he got a lot of featured groups coverage and there's just something off with his confidence inside 10 feet. And you saw it. He had on Sunday coverage. Right. I remember right before I changed the channel over to the Super Bowl, he had like a four and a half footer to like end the tournament. And and he just like he walked away from it and he was just so uh, demoralized. And and yeah. it's, so it, it's just that putting inside of 10 feet. It, this is a this is a tough spot. Um, Poa is a confident surface, right? It's, it's, a t and he's been great on Poa before, right? So it's not like he's, mm -hmm. it's not like he's incapable, but I just, I don't know if Poa Riviera is the best get right spot for, for putting, but I, you know, I like, I, I like the case, man. And I, uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, he's definitely going to be, I'm definitely considering him for DraftKings. Do you think he ends up being popular this week? That's a, well, that's what I'm so curious about this range is like, if you're having, and I haven't, don't spend enough time on Twitter today, but like of this range of, you know, I guess like going all the way from Homa, all the guys you have up on the screen right now, like who would be your guest for like most tapped? Like who's everybody going to this week? Uh, I think Justin Thomas is going to be really popular. Okay. It's hard. For, I'll be completely honest with you, Andy. I'm not great at projecting ownership. I usually wait until um, the guy that you guys have over it, you know, uh, doing Rick, it for Rick. Yeah. And um, there's yeah. a lot of other people that are really good at it. Looking at these names around him. Yeah, I do feel like he's going to be popular. Um, you know, I think that he's going to be Cameron Young, Will Zalatoris. I like his chances better than each of them. Tom Kim is yeah. right under him. Jason Day is playing fantastic. I love Jason Day, but I just still think people will gravitate toward the name of Jordan Spieth there. And even like it's you're right. The course theoretically is not a great place for for his style of play. Um, but even in some of the dark days of Spieth, um, he would show up here and like randomly put together a performance. He did. So let me ask you, because I have to I have in about. 10 minutes have to go talk to our other Vegas buddy, Steve on my podcast. Is this the type of course that like, what's your cutoff, right? Cause I want to talk about some long shots briefly, right? Yeah. But like, what's your cutoff here? Like, are you venturing to too far below the 50 to one threshold? Um, I have one so far. I will probably take another one in mine. Uh, mine's Adam Scott. Um, okay. I, I just really, I, the course history is kind of undeniable. When I looked uh, heavily at my notes and they indicate that take players who are really good at, at Riv around the greens, he's the best in the field in terms of short game around the green putting combination uh, throughout his career at Riviera versus the other players in the field. So um, I, I love his ball striking. I, I just think that you're getting what, like a 70 to one, I think is I, there might even be some eighties out there. Um, Adam Scott right now is 60 to one is the best number out there. I still, I still like that. And he would be my guy. So what do you, do you have any interest? And again, I'm going to ask you about two guys that are on my season long fantasies team. So maybe, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm clearly higher on them than consensus, but you know, Shane Lowry and Tommy Fleetwood Let's went off at those guys went off at under 50 to one at every major last year. Yep. So and I had Shane Lowry. I had Shane Lowry last week. I had him top 20, 
top 40 and in a matchup and an outright bet. But like you had him too, so you know. It was was after the restart, right? I think that he did not envision making that cut and just checked out. He made like six consecutive bogeys. It was awful. He was out of there early. I think looking at some of his, you know, and, and Rick has a lot of this up. Do I have it up? I did. See, I pulled up Shane Lowry's page because I wanted to talk about him. So a little bit um, misleading in the sense. Okay, so this Abu Dhabi championship where he was T28, he was leading after three days. He yeah, shot like I a mean, 70, seven point seven point three or four on approach. On like, approach, and awesome. he, yeah. he shot like 77 on Sunday and went way down the leaderboard. Um, he was awesome at the BMW. He was pretty good at the uh, BMW Championship and the BMW PGA. Um, and he's just too good to basically be, I saw 110 to one out there. Is that what you're seeing Fleetwood at as well? Yeah, so I mean, I I bet a hundred on Lowry, and I mean, if that number went up, then my goodness, right? But I I just yeah, and I, and I was close on Fleetwood too. It yeah, it's I could definitely fit ten bucks on Fleetwood as well. But I, I was just shocked, even in DraftKings, these guys are, you know, these guys have worse odds. These guys have worse or same odds at many of the same as as Nick Taylor at yeah. at many of the same bucks and. You know, we were betting Shane Lowry at twenty-five to one to win majors last year, yeah, and he's what? What? He's six starts removed from winning one of the biggest Dick European Tour events. Yeah. He just went won the BMW PGA in September. It's like the biggest European Tour event on the schedule, and now he's a hundred to one. I, I just that is a, um, you know, I've yeah. been doing this for like two years now, and I've never had a player at a hundred to one top five in my model. And Shane Lowry was the first time that's ever happened in the entire time. I have a record of every model I've ever made for the last two years. It's never happened. So it was kind of just a blind one for me. And you mentioned, I think in your piece, the importance and the depth of some of the bunkers here. The reason he's probably up there in your model is he's probably one of the best sand save guys uh, on tour. I like him. If he shoots under par in Abu Dhabi, like he might win that tournament as well. That's two wins and the huge wins on the European tour. Um, I want to ask you about one more guy, and I know you got to go from my team. We got time. We got we got at least five to eight minutes. Okay, my fourth round pick in the draft. Our boy. Shared is all the way down to 180 to one. You mentioned Australians. I can't let you leave preferred lines without asking you what in the fuck's going on with Cameron Davis. Can we get back on her this week blindly? I, I I have to, like, I just, I can't leave before the miracle happens. Like I can't get away with writing this dude up anymore. Like I, I, he's going to be in my player pool, but like, I can't, th- I, I got too many mean messages by Tory. Um, I, I, so like, I'm not writing this guy up in my content. You know, I'm not like going out of my way to recommend him, but no, I mean, my basic philosophy on, and I know you're not as much as a DraftKings guy, but you know, DraftKings is all about looking at where and when, like it's, it's like the stock market, right? You're, you're yeah. looking at, who is a depressed asset right now? Who are you buying at a low point? Who are you buying at a high point? And I'm always going to gravitate towards talent. Um, and you know, golfers that can be found at a completely depressed 
price point based on what their talent is. I think people forgot with Cameron Davis. Cameron Davis was a bit of a hot shot. You know, he was a really trendy this mortgage, but he was like a very trendy 60 to 1, 80 to 1 breakout candidate. And then he basically sucked for a month. And then people hit him at the rocket mortgage at 180 yeah. to one. And yeah. I wasn't there for it, but that is, you know, so I, I think the thing with, and he's kind of right back there again, but it's just like, look, if you see something in a player, I think the biggest mistake that most people make is like a lack of patience with some of these young guys. So yes, um, I, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere on Davis. What about you? Uh, I'm, I'm, <sighs> I'm probably not going to bet him. He may be a DraftKings play. He may be something like Jock Market in the show that I do with Rick, which is the ultimate place to sort of buy low on someone. But I agree with your statement that young players you just have to stick with. I was on him for that one. I was on Svensson last year after like a month yeah. where he wasn't trending well again. All of a sudden they pop. Look, they take a couple of weeks off. And now he's had two consecutive weeks uh, with missed cuts in there where he's been on facility, been able to practice. And he's only three starts removed from almost gaining seven and a half strokes ball striking at the Sony and almost yeah. winning the Australian PGA Championship, which you brought up as a, as a good comp, too. So um, yeah. I'll be interested to see what he does. Uh, I, I just I, I'm, I still think he's got a big year in store, but he's got to get things turned around. So is he making your top six in your fantasy lineup? That's my, that was, that's what I have to decide because I have Scotty, right? I'm going to play Adam Scott. I've got Xander Finau. Um, I'm going to probably God, play I forgot Corey how Connors. Good your team is. <laughs> I'm going to play Corey Connors and then yes. it's, it's probably going to have to be, um, I have Justin Rose. I've probably got to roll Justin Rose out there. So I, I like, I like Justin Rose this week. Yeah. It's between, it's between my two favorite guys uh denny and cameron davis i'm gonna have oh to make you got I, I think you play davis over denny no yeah yeah <laughs> denny has a way of just like popping man he shouldn't he have shown up at southern hills he shouldn't have shown up Should at brookline better. and he does yeah. yeah that's fair and he's your guy um yeah i'd play davis i mean i'll release my rankings tomorrow um but yeah no so you are you're th what are you four and one now or no no I, I lost last week three and okay. two took a tough yeah. l to steve hennessy but that's what happens when you play the guy who uh has scotty scheffler usually yeah i'm starting to feel better about my well, your um, guys are finally back <laughs> yeah so la last thing like that burger thing how much do we read into like, what's our burger prediction? Because I know for a little bit there, we were like, man, you read between the lines here. And it's like, this guy's going to left. I feel like we're going to have to. The litmus test is next week, man. I hope he's in the field. Um, he lives five minutes away from the course, right? He lives five minutes. Yeah, he lives in Jupiter. He lives in Loxahatchee, actually, which is even closer. So it's, um, and that's his event. He's always played the Honda. Uh, he's always like walked in the last couple of years as like the favorite. It'll be interesting to see what that field shakes out at and what like a betting price is going to be on him. We haven't seen him. He probably has to come in like 30 to one, but that kind of yeah. is dependent upon field strength. But um, it, it's just a natural spot. I feel like for him to return. And if he doesn't, then I would worry that it's something more than an injury potentially. I don't know. <sighs> 
Yeah, I, I sure hope so. I mean, it, it, you know, the fact, again, the fact that not to get too detective on us, but the fact that he posted a Ryder Cup picture leaves yeah. me feeling optimistic because that's like the one thing that you're giving up with joining live is team golf. Right. So yep. if you get back on Instagram to say that you're excited about getting back and you post a picture of yourself playing team golf, you know, hopefully that means that you care about playing and more in the future. But anyway, yep. we shall see. We shall see my friend. We shall see, dude. I'm going to let you out of here. I appreciate you coming on and, and dropping some knowledge on us as always um, at ADP Lack Sports. Andy Lack, you know him. You love him. Check out all his stuff over at Rick Run Good and all the other articles he posts this week. Thank you, Andy. Um, I hope you have a great night, man. Good luck this week. Thanks, buddy. Good to see you anytime. You will be on mine, I think, in a couple weeks as well. And yes. uh, yep. And we'll talk soon, my friend. This is a blast. All right. See you, bud. Later, buddy. All right. I appreciate your guys' patience. I'm going to get to some of your questions here before we uh, before we kind of check out of here this week. Um, so Jack had a question. Um, could you take uh, give us some input on how you build betting cards? Jack, that's a great question. Um, I actually am going to bring something up on the screen right now. Okay. I did this on a podcast a little while ago. This is an example of one of my cards from the Travelers Championship. So let me try to explain this. Um, I love the question, by the way. I think a lot of people may get this wrong and put the same amount on every pick. I don't advise that. There's different ways to do this. This is how I do it, right? Um, have a number in mind that you want to hit, right? If you want to take home, that could be $100. That could be $1,000. That could be $3,000. That could be $30,000. Whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. Um, what I aim for in terms of cumulative payout for the week is if I hit a winner, I want to be right around seven to eight to one, okay? So what I mean by that is then you stagger your bets to hit that amount. So Sam Burns this week at the Travelers from last year was 18 to 1. I put a much higher stake on Sam Burns this week to win 34-20 or whatever it is than I would put on Kevin Kisner at 125 to 1. Now, Kisner is slightly less, but the idea here is that my total in and total out is going to be roughly 7 to 1. Now, what that means long term, there are 43 events that year. Um, that means you need to hit 6.32 winners during those 43 events in order to be profitable on the year, Jack. Um, if you look back at my profile, I've, I believe I've cleared 10 consecutively the last three seasons. Uh, I'm at four already this season, hopefully five this week. So once you clear six, everything is in the green from that point. I think it's this is what I found is the best way in doing and picking golf for you know 15 years now that I've found. If you're trying to reach too much higher into double digits, it's harder, right? You reach too much lower and all of a sudden you've got to hit a winner every three or four events. This is basically every month and a half to two months, you got to hit a winner. If you can somehow knock out a couple in a month, you're in golden shape. Um, I hope that that kind of illustrates and answers a little bit of that question. Uh, Jason asked, uh, are we going anyone below Cantlay at 25? Yeah, I said, I like Spieth. I like Adam Scott. Uh, my boy, Justin, what up, dude? Um, Tiger's back. Let's go. I just... I'm hoping that we can see him play the weekend. The one thing I'm a little bit worried about is sometimes Tiger has the tendency to take over the coverage and that's okay. But I also want to see a lot of the other players play. Um, 
Wesley golf's on a heater. Absolutely is. Joseph loves Andy Lack. So do we all. Adam Scott thoughts. I gave those. Uh, thanks for asking that question, Greg. Um, as I said last time, I'll take you both and a fourth out for a golf weekend here. That would be um, fantastic. Who do you think is the next first time winner on tour? That would be Cameron Young. Um, I think that that's coming soon. Hopefully when we shift over to the East coast, I think that that's better set up for Cameron Young. Uh, maybe we see him nab one in Texas, maybe Florida, but I think that he's the next high profile player that's looking for his, uh, first win. Um, what are some course comps for Riviera? I think Andy gave a couple. He said Augusta, he said Southern Hills. There's not a lot of very classical golf courses, Brian, that play quite like, um, these do. And these setups are here now. Um, thoughts on JT's putting woes. It's just volatile, man. It's hit and miss. He gets as hot as anybody, but I think consistently, um, it's not a strength of his. And I worry about that from a top end upside because, um, Rory has turned into a great putter. Rom is a great putter. Scheffler is when he's hot, a great putter. Cameron Smith is a great putter. These are the best players in the world in order to be so he needs to have a better level of consistency where he's at least over a 20 tournament span, gaining some strokes putting. Now that can be a half a stroke, but he needs to let his ball striking kind of uh, take over. Homa and Cali, exactly what I said. Um, any thoughts on Smalley? What up, Stu? I appreciate you being in here, buddy. Um, no real thoughts for me this week. Maybe a DraftKings play. This is mostly, I, I for preparation for this show, Stu, as you know, I'm mostly focused on outrights, and I don't think he really has a chance um, PV, who they like at the top. So Andy likes Justin Thomas. I took Max Homa. We had that little constructive debate that I've uh, initiated through Twitter. Bogey avoidance. Brian, uh, obviously more important this week, but is it weighted more at this course? Yes. Um, I think it's weighted more at these elevated events. I think it's weighted more at Riviera. I think it um, it plays like a U.S. Open. Now, it's not quite as tricked up as a U.S. Open in terms of the rough, but there's greens that you can't necessarily go at the flag. There are spots where um, you just have to play to the safe side of the green. And sometimes that means playing to a bunker, honestly. Like sometimes that's the best spot to get yourself up and down versus taking on a flag and risking being short-sighted on these short-sighted on this greens, which are nearly impossible. Brian Kirshner, um, glad to see that uh, you're in here, buddy, and that you hopefully made it back safely from your vacation. Hopefully, I will be taking a vacation soon. Um, I finished second in a large golf pool. Um, had the Chiefs last night, pushed all my chips in on the shares. 59 and 39 against the spread this season in the NFL. Um, I think me and Andy might need an NFL golf podcast next season. Um, thank you all for checking out the show. Um, in so, so something really quickly for the final thoughts segments just before I get out of here. Um, I listened to Jason Day a little bit in his post-round pressers with George Savarikas. I thought that he was really insightful in terms of how he was handling some of the um, negative feedback that wasn't coming from inside his camp, but was coming from the outside, how he heard the noise, whether it be on social media, whether it be from the media, whether it be from um, outsiders that were bringing in outside noise to him which was negative and which was impacting him and which was stressing him. So um, there's a book called 
oh God, I'm blanking on the name. I think it's called The Good Life. It is by the professor at Harvard who runs their school of psychiatry. And what Harvard has done is done essentially an 80 plus year study on happiness where they followed people from an early age until death. Many of the people who have first participated in this are now dead. And now they're doing this study following their children throughout. Um, and what they found is that at an old age of 70 plus when they ask these people what's the one thing they regret most about life it's that they were too concerned with other people's opinions that really didn't matter and if you're taking this and you're hearing this from 80 year olds now 80 year old people right are telling you that they wish they cared less about other people's opinions Imagine how much more that is when we get to 80 years old. Like they didn't have Twitter. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have opinions from other people. They don't even know constantly thrown at them every day, day in and day out. Negative, positive trolls, bot farms, all of this stuff flooding into your brain. They didn't have to deal with. And that's still the number one thing unanimously that all people said that they wish that they put less emphasis on in their life. Um, I think it's not really avoidable, but I think it's important to understand. And I think that if we take some time to speak with those closest to us and stop caring so much about what other people think and care about what your wife thinks, care about what your girlfriend thinks, care about what your kids and what your parents think. Um, do they find what you're doing to be positive? Do they find what you're doing to be meaningful? Uh, and I think if you take those sort of small steps, uh, like hopefully that Jason Day has, like hopefully that you can and hopefully I can implement a little bit more in my life, you may find some things more enjoyable for your future, which I hope is great for the next 40 years, for the next five years, for this week. Let's hit a winner. Jordan Spieth is going to win the Genesis Invitational. Enjoy the week. Enjoy Tiger Woods back playing golf. Enjoy full swing in two days. I'll check you guys next week. Thanks for checking out Preferred Lines. Make sure to like. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure to comment. I'm going to go through these. I'm going to pick out a winner, maybe two, maybe three, and I'm going to send you guys T-shirts for supporting the show. Thank you so much. I'm out of breath. I'm out of here. Peace. Cheers.